Welcome to the Connection Point Church Podcast. We hope to be an encouragement throughout your week. New episodes are available every Sunday evening and Thursday evening. We also invite you to join us live on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. It's just to be in communion with him. So that does require intentionality. So while I'm cooking with a baby on my hip, God, let this food bring healing to my family and no harm. God, thank you for this food. And God, let them be hungry for the food, the spiritual food, your word. Let them hunger for your word more than spiritual food. That might be it right then. And that's okay. Okay? I'm probably breaking every like traditional rule, but I don't care. This is real life, right? This is real life. It, while, if you get to brush your teeth, like, God, I thank you for this home. Um, you're saying it in your mind, obviously, not while you're brushing your teeth. But like, I thank you for this home. I plead your blood over my marriage. Let my husband have eyes only for you and, and me and me only for him and you. And, and like, that might be your covering over your, prayer, your husband while you're brushing your teeth. Like, that is the real life. That's real life prayer, okay? So, um, my husband does something cool. Every time he gets in and out of the vehicle, which is multiple times a day, he just prays, like, before he starts the car. He just prays, prays ahead to protection, prays over our family, like, in and out of the car. That's, like, his trigger to, like, just tap into God and pray. His dad sets an alarm on his phone three times a day. He's an architect. He doesn't care who's there. If he's in a meeting, he stops and prays like Daniel. He just took that from the book of Daniel three times a day. Like you'll literally be talking to him in his office. The alarm goes off. He stops and he just starts praying. You're like, I guess I should join him. Like you just, whatever. It's awkward, but the dad doesn't care. Like he doesn't care. And so you just got to find things that works for you, right? For me, when I go in my home, God, I bless this home in the name of Jesus. Nothing in the enemy can go through this door. It takes five seconds, but you could watch my ring phone. Like he could watch the ring, a little doorbell. I do. I pray over the home. Every time I go in and out, I just pray a covering over the home. So prayer, it's just in, you're in communion with God, right? In whatever season you're in, if you're retired, oh my gosh, like you can take that time and just, you could go to the tabernacle plan multiple times a day. I mean, that must be nice, but we're, you know, not everybody's in that season, but for the ones who aren't, you can stand in the gap and do that for them. So I love this prayer wheel so much. I, I highly suggest it. One thing I did on my phone, if you have Apple Music or you have YouTube, I created a playlist to help me. I love music. I love worship. Um, So what I did is the first two songs on my Apple playlist is praise and worship songs. The next song is on repentance, and it's like forgive me songs of just cleanse me, wash me. The next song on my playlist is like, you know, I'm songs about petitioning, going before God. And I literally made a playlist to mimic the prayer wheel. So if I'm exercising at the gym, I have it on and I'm like speaking in tongues on the treadmill. I'm like worshiping. I'm like, I have to like control myself. Um, but I, I, that way the songs prompt me to keep going in that motion. Does that make sense? So those are things that just help me while I'm driving, while I'm praying my prayer time in the morning, that's what I do is I use my my music playlist to help me keep going. Um, And of course, this whole thing is about 
romance, right? So the Song of Solomon, I know some people are just like, mm, the Song of Solomon is all about sex, but it's, it's really, it's so not. Like, it's, it's so good. I love it. Um, but that's just, I just want to turn to it real quick. Um, so the Song of Solomon kind of sets the tone for this romance and this love affair. If y'all want to turn to the Song of Solomon um, in your Bibles, or if y'all are okay, we're going to kind of just, I love the word of God. It, it's just beautiful. Um, so Song of Solomon, verse 2, it says, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for thy love is better than wine. Then in verse 3, it says, Thy name is as an ointment poured forth. Verse 4 says, Draw me, run after thee brought me into his chambers. I was glad and rejoiced. Remember thy love. In verse seven, it says, whom my soul loveth. Like you see the tone, this is all a love affair. He's, he's wanting you to draw to him. He's wanting to chase after you, right? It's, it's this love affair that he wants. And verse in chapter 2, it says, I am the rose of Sharon, the lily of the valleys. Verse 4, he brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. And then verse 6, his left hand is under my head, and his right hand doth embrace me. Verse 10, my beloved spake and said unto me, rise up, my love, my fair one, and come away. And you begin to read this, and it's like this whole thing is this intimate love affair that he wants and he desires, right? And when me and Papa Shea were, we call him Papa Shea, but we were dating, you know, he would leave me roses on my, ca on my car. He would leave me cards. He would, you know, send me these things, and he was, he was running hard after me and pursuing me, and it was just, it was like, I was all giddy and excited and, you know, and like, oh my gosh, telling my friends, like, oh my gosh, listen, I was praying if he was the one. And then I go to my car and there's a rose in a card. And, you know, it's this, it's this intimate love affair, this romance, this push and pull and this tug. And that is how God desires our relationship with him. So when we go to him in prayer, it's like, it's like this flirting, this, this like, hey, I see you, you see me, like the world's going on, tornadoes are happening, but like you hear me, I hear you, you know how many hairs on my head, you know when I sit and when I stand, you're calling me, you're wooing me, and when you start really getting into that romance, like literally an hour will pass and you're like, oh my gosh, like you don't want it to end, right? So that, we don't want it like, oh, drudgery, that's not the will of God. And so when you read in the Song of Solomon, I suggest, like in chapter 3, it talks about the bride's dream. In verse 1, it says, I sought him whom my soul loveth. I sought him, but I found him not. And I think there's seasons when, when we're like, we know we love God, right? And, and we're just the busyness of life. We just can't tap into him. We can't find him. We can't, we're distracted. And it says, um, in verse 2, I will rise now and go about the city in the streets and in the broadways. I will seek him whom my soul loveth, and I sought him, but I found him not. 
In verse 3, it says, The watchmen that go about the city found me to whom I said, Saw ye whom my soul loveth. It was but a little that I passed from them, but I found him whom my soul loveth. I held him and would not let him go. And we can look on our lives where we just were busy and crazy and like couldn't even feel God, right? But then, ooh, once you get him, it's like, oh, I don't want to let this go. I, I, I need him. Hey, y'all want to come sit right here? There's seats. I love. People are still coming in. That's awesome. I'm not going to let no tornado stop us from. We love him. And so he, if you go through the Song of Solomon, I suggest like just highlighting things like my beloved is mine and I am his. And just say, God, let me fall in love with you. I know he's in love with you, but I need to fall in love with him. And you fall in love with him through his word because this is how he speaks. And you start reading like, my beloved is mine and I'm at his and his left hand is under my head and his right hand embraces me and his banner over me is love and he's calling me to rise up, calling me his love, my fair one and saying, come away with me, right? We got to get away with him in those secret places. And so prayer, um, there was a season where I was, I was just so busy. We had four kids in seven years, plus a bunch of people over the years. We had nine people live with us in nine years, that church people. He says I'm like the cat lady, but with people, I just take people in that need a home. I don't know. I can't handle it. Like, you're not going to poop in a bucket and live in a garage. Like, you're going to come live with us. And so then there's, I'm like, babe, two people are coming to live with us. Like, he's like, okay, well. So, but anyway, so just things were busy. And I was like, God, I want more time with you in prayer. I want intimate time with you. And God told me, he said, well, wake up at 4.30 a.m. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. And so I am a night owl. Like, at night, I'm ready to party. I'm ready, like, I told her, that's when God speaks. I'm like, in my room studying. And God was like, wake up at 4.30. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to wake up at 4.30. He's like, but that's where I, when I want to meet with you. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, God, you've got to be kidding. Like, I'm tired. He's like, because you stay up too late. And I'm like, okay. I don't know about y'all. God, like, spanks me all the time. He, like, whips me. He's, like, we see him as a little shepherd with the staff, but that staff was, like, to whip the sheep when they, you know, it's, like, all cute in a picture, but I'm always getting smacked with the little, with the little staff. And so, anyway, but... I started waking up at 4.30, and I was go, I would go to the church to pray for an hour and a half. And I would do the, pray the tabernacle plan. And honestly, like the presence of God would just swoop me and, and take me over where sometimes literally at just Thanksgiving and praise, I couldn't even get past that because the presence of God would just consume me or I'd start repenting. And I mean, I have a lot to repent about. So um, I'm like just repenting, repenting. But then he would bring me into the Holy of Holies and like my alarm's going off. I got to get my kids to school. I'm like running back to the house. It's so powerful when we, when we get up early and get in his presence, right? And I kind of skip to this. In Exodus, the manna every morning would come before the sun would rise. And he told them to get the manna and take it for their food for the day. But if they waited too long, the sun would come out and it would melt the manna and turn rotten. 
And so it's so important that the first thing of our day, we get that daily manna early in the morning, get that spiritual food in us, allow him to start speaking to us, talking to us, guiding us, directing us before our kids wake up, before the chaos starts, and get that for us, what we need, right? And so that changed my life. And I can say just allowing this prayer wheel, part of this prayer wheel, wheel and it was probably the hardest part for me was just sitting in his presence and not talking. I don't know about you, but most women, like we just like to talk, talk, talk to God. And he's like, okay, I, I would like to talk back, but you don't shut up long enough for me to talk to you, right? And so just learning to be at peace and sit in his presence and allow him to speak to me has been just life-changing. It's where he gives me my sermons. It's where he tells me words to speak to people. It's, it's things he, it just, it is mind-blowing how much he wants to speak to us in prayer. But I think we think of prayer as us talking, 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 and then our little list of everything we need him to do. And so that truly changed my life, just learning when I would get to the part of meditation or just sitting quiet before the Lord and listening. Um, so we'll go through each one, if that's okay with you guys. Um, the first one, thanksgiving and praise. Um, we should never just go to God, start asking him for a bunch of stuff. And if you could imagine what that would make you feel like if every time I walked up to you, I'm like, oh, I need this dress and I need a pair of shoes and I need you to fix my hot water heater and I need a new roof on my house and my mom needs, her car is broken and I just gave you 30 things that I needed you to do for me and then walked away. But like that's how many times we go to God. We just go with this list like of demands and then we walk away. And then we get mad when it doesn't happen or we get frustrated with him. So the first thing we want to do is go to him with thanksgiving and praise. And, um, you know, take notes. You can ask questions at any point. Just raise your hand and ask. But I think of this as like this whole thing is a relationship. I think of this as flirting, right? So I am bragging to everyone, even if I'm by myself, I'm bragging on my God. I'm telling him how amazing he is, how phenomenal he is. So like with my husband, like in the elevator, I'm like, oh, babe, you're so hot. I love your little outfit. Like you look so cute. And he's like, settle down. We're in the elevator. We only have two flights to go, you know? And so we went to this conference. He had a little suit and tie. I'm like, oh my gosh, you look like the preacher's preacher. I'm like, you're so cute. Let's take a, a little picture. And he's like, you, you're not focused. You're, you know, this is why I can't dress like this. You can't handle yourself. Like, like, he's like, you don't even know what they're preaching. I'm like, come on, just one little picture. And he's like, settle down. And I'm like petting him and, you know, I can't keep my hands off. And so, but he's like, just so cute. And so, but he is not, he's taken, so you have to find your own, <laughs> find your own Papa Shay. This was much prayer and fasting, okay? So, um, but I am declaring how much I love him, how grateful I am of him. I'm thanking him for all he's done and how much he has blessed me. I'm thanking him for who he is, why you gave me this truth, why, how you took me out of literally the pits of hell and, and saved me. I'm thanking him. I'm going through my head of everything he's healed me of, healed my children of. I'm just going. And y'all, you cannot be depressed 
when you start praising God. You cannot be sad. You cannot be full of anxiety when you're just, and I like to walk and pray, um, but I'm like, you are the great I am. You healed my son. You healed me of this. And thank you, God. And I'm just going down every miracle, everything he's ever done, and then thanking him for being my salvation, my helper, my healer, my deliverer. And you just start declaring who he is and what he's done for you. And literally, the Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. So that's how you draw in the presence of God. You start praising him. And then it says that he, like, so in his fullness is, is joy. In his presence is joy. So you're pulling down the presence of God. Now joy is coming. So how are you going to walk around depressed? and needing to pop depression pills if you praise in God. You can't, it doesn't work that way, right? So we wanna start out just focusing on who he is, not seeking his hand and what he can do, but seeking his face. So we gotta stop seeking his hand first and seek his face and just declaring how awesome he is. Not because he needs us to, he knows he's awesome, but he knows we need to declare how awesome he is. It does something for our spirit man when we start declaring how awesome he is, how amazing he is. And if you need a, if you need a write notes of how awesome he is, you can, or what he's done for you just to help in the beginning. But all I have to do is think about in the last month what he's done, his provision. I have a job. My children are, are safe, they're healthy, or you know, some of them, God, I know you're healing them, I know you're helping them, whatever it is. You begin to truly praise God and thank him. He shows up, and so does joy. Joy shows up. And then, um, and so during that time, I like to just listen to music that's like praise music, right? I like good gospel music that they jam out, a little organ in the background, like I'm having my own. I just need a tambourine, and I'm good to go. So, and then we take time to repent, to repent. Okay, so... This is so powerful. I've always heard it said, the longer you spend in repentance, the longer and the more powerful you experience the holy of holies. So at this time, we need to repent before God of anything. Our hearts are deceitfully wicked, the Bible says. We don't even know our hearts. So this is where I'm like, God, examine it, do surgery, pull out anything, reveal to me anything that's not pleasing of you. And if you really do that, you'll remember the way you answered that person at the restaurant or the way you spoke to your child or how you could have handled your husband different. Or he's going to start, and it's not pretty. It's not pretty because we, we're so deceived. Like, oh, I'm a good person. And he's like, <laughs> what about yesterday when you blah, 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 and it's like, you know? Or just how I didn't respond in faith, but I worried instead of had faith. Like, he'll just start convicting you and, and showing that, looking in the mirror of yourself, of what is not pleasing. And some things is shocking. Like, you didn't even realize you, you, that's a problem, right? And so in that time also, I try, like, dealing with anything flesh pride, jealousy. I mean, we're women. Let's face it. You compared yourself to somebody yesterday. It might have been me, right? Are you, I walked up, and there was some judgment in your, head, in your head about me. 
it, it just happens, right? We can't control. So God, forgive me. Forgive me for comparing. Forgive me for jealousy. Forgive me whatever it is, right? And so then forgiving others in that time, really taking the time, do I have any bitterness towards other people? Do, am I, do I have some things I haven't let go of or given to God? Maybe something from my past. I'm telling you, I'll sit in this time, and he'll draw up stuff from when I was a little girl. And he's like, you still never release this. You still never forget. I'm telling you, you can sit here for a long time if you've been alive for any amount of time. And just allowing him to go there. I had an experience a few months, about a month ago, I came to Shay crying. It was on a Friday. God had told me, he said, yes, you were born again at 20 years old, but the six-year-old little girl in you was not born again. The 16-year-old girl in you was not born again. You got to go back and let her have the born-again experience and let her be healed and let me wash her and let her know everything is okay and she doesn't have to fight anymore and she doesn't have... Y'all, it was... It would, I would, I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm such a mess. Like, I'm sorry. I, I know when you married me, you didn't realize this was so many layers, but this is a lot. Like, and, and God started showing me, and I, he even revealed to me some resentment I had towards someone in one of those situations I did not realize I had. I was frustrated with them. Like, where were you? How did you allow this to happen to me? Right? And it's not their fault, but that, that was some pinned up bitterness I had buried deep. So this time of repentance, asking God to forgive you, forgiving others, is so powerful. Okay? Um, and so then is the petition. This is our favorite part, right? This is when we just ask him for all the things, right? Um, we love this, especially as women. Like, this is, okay, this is our time, right? But... Um, what we need to discuss is um, if you turn to Luke 11, we can go to Luke 11. Are y'all okay like turning? I love the words, so we'll just y'all tell me. Luke 11. Okay. So Luke 11, they're, they're talking to God. They're asking how to pray. And one thing in verse 2, it says, thy will be done. Now, this is so important. I think when we go to God in petition, we can ask him for all the things, but we always need to finish with, but thy will be done. I don't, wanna, I don't want you, God, to give me something and it make me out of the will of God. I've been out of the will of God. It's not a good place to be, right? So God, I'm asking you of all things, but at the end of the day, your perfect will be done in my life. Um, I love in verse nine, it says, ask and it shall be given to you. So what are you asking for that you want God to give to you? Seek and you shall find. What are you seeking? What do you need to... You need seeking knowledge, you're seeking wisdom, you're seeking understanding, and knock and it shall be open to you. And prayer is knocking. Like you, there's some things you gotta keep knocking. 
and keep knocking until that door opens. You're going to have to pray and fast and keep knocking until that door. It might take a few weeks, a few months, a few years. I was telling them, I've been praying for my dad. I was praying for my dad and fasting for him for 18 years. Very strong Catholic man. 18 years praying, fasting, seeking God, begging, banging on that door to open. And I said, God, I need you to reach my dad. I'm going to Africa on the other side of the world. They're receiving this truth. They're getting baptized, filled with the Holy Ghost by the droves. And my own dad is rejecting this truth. I, I can't take it. And God said, your dad is the man Cornelius. And so I turned to Acts chapter 10. He was a good man. He gave money to the poor. He was, he was a good man. But there was more. And I want my dad to have the more, right? And so I said, angels never die. God, send the same angel you sent to my daddy. And so for five years, I began to fast. I'm talking 21-day water fast for my dad. I'm just knocking. I'm knocking. I'm knocking. I have never prayed and fasted for anyone like my dad. My dad calls me after five years and of intense fasting for my dad. And he says, he's crying. He says, I need you to come to my house. He said, I had a dream last night. He said, and in the dream, I had died. And I was standing before this huge figure. I knew it was a heavenly figure, and it had a book in his hands. And the pages were turning, and he said, is my name in the book? Now, my dad doesn't know about the Lamb's Book of Life. He doesn't know. He says, is my name in the book? And the hands keep turning the pages. And then the book shuts, and, he's, and the voice says, no, your name is not in the book. And my, my dad says, oh, the D word, okay? You know what that word is, okay? And the voice says, you're correct for all eternity. And my dad wakes up. And my dad leans over and says, how do I get my name in the book? Tell me how to get my name in the book. And right there, I was able to teach in my Bible study. And with tears in his eyes, he said, take me to your church and baptize me in Jesus' name. 18 years I had been knocking. But I'm telling you, don't stop knocking one sh prayer short of a miracle. Now, he still needs to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And so I, I just recently, my mom and I, last year, I, I did a 20, another 21-day water fast for my dad. On day 17, I was so, if you've ever fasted that long, you like, you're struggling on day 17, okay? Well, you're struggling on day four. <laughs> Who am I kidding, right? And so people are like, I hate fasting. I'm like, I don't know anyone that likes it, okay? There's a revelation for you. Ain't nobody like fasting. But I like the outcome of fasting. And people are like, yeah, fasting, and like, things are just happening. I'm like, that's why it's called a fast. It makes things happen fast. <laughs> There's revelation. So anyway, so on day 17, this woman who no one knew I was fasting but my husband, he knew I was fasting for my dad and my oldest daughter. And I went up to our cabin away from everything. It was like me, a bed, and water. <laughs> and so I'm in there praying, and I'm getting weary in my spirit. And I'm praying for my dad. And a lady calls from our hometown. She's crying, speaking in tongues. She said, I'm praying for your dad. I don't know his name. I don't know anything about him. But God has him on my heart so heavy. I've been interceding for two hours on my face for your father. I, and she hangs up the phone, goes off in tongues, hangs up the phone. I'm like, 
Oh, now I'm three hours away at our cabin. And so I'm praying, I'm crying in my weakness. God moved on the body of Christ to stand in the gap for me and pray for my dad. Y'all, there's billions of people on this planet and God was hearing my knocking. And so she calls me back and she gives me this scripture and goes off in tongues and I, I turn to it is the story of doubting Thomas. My dad's name is Thomas. And I turn and I read, and I'm like, it's a spirit of doubt. He doubts God could fill him with the Holy Ghost. The religious spirit that has him bound is making him think, you don't need the Holy Spirit. You're good, right? A priest told him, you're good. You got that at confirmation. Your daughter speaks in tongues because she has a special gift. You don't need that. Like, you got enough Holy Ghost at confirmation. I said, Daddy, you ain't going to need to tell somebody when you got the Holy Ghost. You're going to know when you got the Holy Ghost, right? No one's going to have to tell you. And so I begin to pray. I took that as God. Okay, now God, show him the scars in your hands and your feet where he says, says my Lord and my God, right? So we got to ask, seek, and knock. And you just got to, you got to keep knocking sometimes. And don't get discouraged. You don't want to stop one prayer short of your miracle from happening, right? And so... I love, I love the word of God because when we start reading, he's saying, I want you to ask. He says, if a son shall ask for bread for any of you that is a father, will you give him a stone? Or if you ask for a fish, will you give him a serpent instead? Or shall ask for an egg and give him a scorpion? He's like, come on, ask me. The Bible says we have not because we ask not. And people tell me, I feel bad asking, like, he's got so much going on. There's, like, people blowing up each other in Saudi Arabia, throwing rocks at each other. People have cancer. People have, I feel bad asking. I'm like, then you have no idea how huge your God is. Because he can answer your prayer and answer someone on the other side of the world's prayer at the same time. Okay? So we got to ask. We got to petition. We got to ask God. And in that time of petition, not just asking for yourself, but asking, praying for the perfect will of God, praying for your pastor. I pray that you pray every day for your pastor and his family. Because if the enemy can take out the shepherd, then he can take out the whole flock. There is a greater bullseye on your pastor and his wife and their children than anybody in your church right? So you have to lift, ask God, make me an intercessor, make me a prayer warrior for my, bring their face before me every day throughout the day, right? Um, make sure you're praying for, for your spiritual leadership. And then there goes into intercession and intercession is basically standing in the gap for someone else. You're the Bible talks about travailing. You're standing between someone or something in God. In Galatians 4:19, he says, My little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. And throughout the Bible, it talks about travailing. Intercessory prayer. It's standing in the gap for someone else. Now, the first time I saw this, I thought someone was giving birth, but no baby came out. It's intense. It's intense to watch. You're literally in the spirit. If ever you've had a child and these the contractions start, it'll be literally contractions of the spirit, and then you have to push it out in prayer. It's intense. And then another wave will come, and you'll push it out in prayer. And then until that thing is birthed in the spirit. 
But many churches stay very small because they don't have intercessors that are spiritually birthing babies in the spirit. You have to birth these babies. These babies are bound out there in the world and you have to birth them in the spirit. So, you know, intercessory prayer, you gotta give yourself to it. When you feel the spirit coming on you to pray for someone, you don't wanna hold that back. You wanna find a place and give yourself to that spirit and it's gonna come on strong. Now, there are people that are intercessors, but everyone is called to intercede. Okay, so some people have this gift of intercession. My, my, my two, I'm an intercessor. My two oldest girls are intercessors. They can go, my oldest goes into intercessory warfare prayer and she'll pop every blood vessel on her face, on her face, travailing and pressing and warring for people in prayer. It's incredible. But you gotta give yourself to it and say, Lord, I'm available, I'm willing. I'm here today because someone birthed me in the spirit. Somewhere, it could have been on the other side of the world. One night, God, the spirit of intercession came over me, and I went in my room, and I began to just, I mean, war and pray, impress in prayer. What I didn't know is in Africa, um, one of the bishop's sons was undergoing surgery at that time, and they had cut him from here to here. We saw pictures after his intestines were huge inflamed. At the very hour I was interceding, and I did not know what for, he said he was in surgery. He died. He came out of his body. He could see them doing surgery. And then all of a sudden, the Spirit of God sucked him back in. He came back in his body, and he, they revived him and came back to life. And when we started talking, it was at the exact time I was interceding, standing in the gap for him. That's the power of intercessory prayer. So get books on it, YouTube, intercessory prayer, apostolic, you know, don't get nothing crazy. It's probably same, you know, the witch world, the demonic world does everything we do. Okay, so you got to have discernment, type in the word apostolic, Pentecostal, so at least you're going, and surely you can eat the meat and spit out the bones and realize this is not, you know, but learn. I got books, every book I could on intercessory prayer. When I saw women that were intercessors, I learned about intercessory prayer. They have Pentecostal publishing house has awesome books on intercessory prayer. So intercession is so powerful. You're standing in the gap for others. Anybody have questions on intercessory prayer? Cause that's a kind of a doozy and some people get like, it's okay to ask questions. Yeah. Good. Or on anything so far. Is this okay? Y'all know all this? Are y'all bored? It's okay? Okay, I don't want to bore you. Yeah, I know most of it. Okay, the next thing is my favorite is reading the Word of God. So, um, and I don't want to jump to the after the next session, but reading the Word of God is so powerful in your prayer time. So I have two Bibles. My Bible in the morning has no marks in it. It's plain. It's the ESV version. It's simple because I am not smart enough for the King James. This takes me, like, I got to, like, really focus, right? Um, I'm like, the thou knowest all. And I'm like, on my phone, like, amplify version. Oh, you're just trying to tell me. And it's so simple. Why you got to make it so complicated, right? So, and I have the Apostolic Study Bible that, like, breaks down, but it's always the verse that has no broken down that I'm like, what does this mean? And I'm like, oh, you skipped that one. Okay, thanks, David Bernard. So you just think I'm that smart. So anyway, um, I, the one in the morning, I'm just reading as a love note. 
okay, in this prayer time. I'm not trying to break down the Greek and Hebrew. I'm just letting him speak to my life. And I'm letting him give me just enough of that manna to get me through the day. So if you could imagine, um, I'm jumping the gun. Stay focused. Okay, I'm gonna. That, we're doing the word of God after after y'all eat y'all little lunch. But um, but so this time in reading the word, you're just getting getting a little a little nugget, a little love letter from him. Okay, don't try to. What is the Greek Hebrew? No, right. And I suggest you're a Bible that's plain, easy to read. No highlights, no underline. Just these are love letters. Just let him speak to you. If he gives you something good, you could write a little date. I know that some people are like, I got a highlight, I got a highlight. But okay, just be Catholic in the morning and don't write in your Bible. Okay, <laughs> just, just it's holy. It's a love letter. Don't, don't feel the need. We're gonna do that at another part of the day, and we'll talk about that after. So just um, allowing him to feed you and sustain you a little something for the day. Um, the, I was praying the other day about coming here, and I'm like, I had to preach like three weeks in a row. And so, and I knew I was, had four things to preach here. So I'm like, God, just go with me, go with me and let your, let your glory be, be don't, don't let anybody see me any Holly. Just let them see you. And I open up to Exodus 33 and Moses says, God, I'm not going unless you go with me. And then, and God says, and he says, show me your glory. And then he says, I'm going to hide you in the cleft of the rock. And I'm going to let my glory be known. Y'all, is everything I had just prayed. God was like, I see you. I hear you. So guess what? Since then, so now, I'm like, God, hide me in the cleft. Let your glory be known. Show your glory, God. Let your presence go with me. Like, that's been sustaining me. It's just been a little, it's just my word, right? So he, and that's what he wants to do each day. And then, like I said, the next thing is meditation and just sitting in his presence, listening and allowing him to speak to you. I keep a journal with me, so when he does speak, I write it down because you think you're going to remember, and you're not, right? And so just writing it down. Sometimes it's just a promise. Sometimes it's a word that you like, okay, and then fast forward, something happens, you're like, oh, that's a pro that's that was that promise he gave me. I know I know now, right? And so this is just intimate little things that he's wanting. You're wanting to close your eyes and just bask in his presence. I always have worship music on just because I, I love music. It just I don't know. It's it's so good. And this is where he's saying, okay, come away, my beloved. Let's now this is intimacy. This is, we've moved from the outer courts. Anybody can praise in Thanksgiving, and a lot of people stop there. Now we're going into those intimate places. Now we're going into the bedroom. Now we're getting real, and we're, we're you know, exposing it all. He's seen all of our junk, right? We're taking off all the, the mask and everything, and now this is intimate. This is where he's wanting to put seed inside of you and I'll, I'm going to be, because there's young children, so that you can birth something and something can come forth, right? We got to get into the intimate places so, so he can implant his word, his seed inside of us so that we can bring forth the purpose God has for our life. Does that make sense without being, saying it but not saying it, okay? And then, of course, after we're just thanking him for speaking into us, loving on us. I love the next part, praying the word of God. 
So what I do um, is on YouTube, there is um, things like um, who I am. And it is literally a hundred affirmations. I am a daughter of the king. I am a child of God. I am chosen. I am set apart. And I put my earbuds on and I just walk and I listen and I repeat it and I say it because you're speaking the word of God, you know, or it's um, prayers to pray over your family. And it's scripture after scripture and you're just speaking it and agreeing it and you're speaking it out. It's teaching you how to pray. Many people are scared to pray out loud. They're intimidated to pray out loud. That is something that teaches you so well to learn how to, to pray out loud and speak it, hearing someone else agreeing. A lot of times I'm speaking in tongues as they're, I'm hearing it in English, but it's also teaching me things to pray, things to say out loud. And just, it, it's incredible to, to have that access, right? And to teach you. And then I go throughout my study Bible and I'll just flip like finding things I've highlighted and just speak it out loud, saying it out loud. The whole spiritual realm has to listen when a child of God starts speaking things into the spiritual atmosphere. It gets the attention of both the demonic and the spirit realm and they have to respond, right? So, um, and then ending with just singing and worshiping and praising God. And so we have to, um, we have to open our mouth too. A lot of people, they just quiet. Okay. You got to take authority. You got to speak. Jesus said, speak to the mountain. And he spoke to the, the child that had the demons in him. You have to speak and open your mouth and take authority right? Through, through your home, over your children. They need to hear you. How are they going to learn? If every time they look at you, like, like they're not going to learn. You have to be that example, right? And so even in the car, like they've, they've grown up before we travel, before we go anywhere, we pray out loud in the car. Well, now Papa Shea, he says, okay, Caleb, you pray over us. Okay, Cece, you pray. Okay, Hannah Grace, you pray. We want them to start practicing praying out loud and being confident, praying before a meal, praying before I go preach. He has them all lay hands and he'll let them all anoint me with oil and they each take turns praying out loud over me. You, you gotta, but they've heard us do it, right? You gotta teach them. We're sending them into this crazy world and we're not equipping them and then we get mad when they fall into the things of the world. That's not fair. That's not fair to them. We have to equip them teach them, lead by example, so they know what to do out there, right? So my kids go to Catholic school, and during mass, um, they're like, Mom, we just sit there and pray the whole time. God, give them truth. Show them revelation of the truth. Like, they're just the whole time, and then they have to go up for the little communion, cross their hands like this. So, and so the priest just says a blessing, and I said, y'all better be pleading the blood of Jesus while he's doing his little blessing. Like, you don't know what they're doing. You don't know. And so, and I'm like, and don't let them touch you. Like, just kind of step back if they, like, you don't lay, don't let them lay hands. Like, you don't know. We say, what kind of gri patasa? That's French for like little curse or whatever they say over you. I'm like, don't, don't allow no patasa on you. Like, no. And so, um, so, but, but they hear me plead the blood. They hear me, you know, they, you got to teach them and lead by example. So we have to ask, seek, and knock. And one thing I wanted to talk about is God is in the details. He told me a long time ago, he said, you're praying too vague of details. You're just praying too vague with no details. Um, 
I don't know what it was one time I just prayed for and God did it, but it was, oh, I prayed for a cabin on the campgrounds in Tioga where we have our uh, camps and stuff in the summer. I was like, God, I, for 13 years, God, I want a cabin. I want a cabin. I want a cabin. I want a cabin on these campgrounds. And he gave us a cabin and it is like 13 by 13 with little bitty short ceilings. She has to dunk around, like it's tiny. And he's like, okay, you prayed for a cabin, but like you didn't give details and God is in the details. So now I'm like, I need a bigger cabin with high ceilings. I want a boy side and a girl's like, I like learned my lesson, right? He is so in the details. Um, but I want to talk about like when, when we place an Amazon order, and anyone places Amazon orders, right? We're all guilty, right? Amazon Prime, if you're really crazy like me. And so what do we do? We look, we put in the detailed description, detailed of what we're looking for. Then they all come up, and we're looking at them all, and we read all the reviews, and then we look at pictures, let's say, of the dress. We want a black dress, whatever. And we're looking at pictures of how it looks on the other women. Then we read all the reviews. And if it's not four or five stores, we're not getting it. And then we press order. But so that's so detailed. And then when it comes in, if it's not, if it's a, if it's a pink dress, we're not satisfied. We're sending it right back because it's free returns, right? I love it. Just drop that at the UPS store. It's not the color I wanted. It doesn't fit just right. We're not satisfied until we get what we wanted. But in prayers with God, we're just praying these vague prayers, whatever happens. And like, if you're like me, I'm tracking that Amazon. I know, okay, it left the warehouse. Okay, it's coming in two days. Like, I know, I'm like, y'all, if a package comes at the door, it's supposed to be coming at 3 p.m. today. Like, but then with our prayer life, it's so vague. It's not details. We forgot when we prayed it. We're not keeping track of, of if it came or not. And we forget about it. Like, you see how we're so backwards, and he is a God of great details. So even like at a restaurant, we're like, I want the number three, no pickles, add lettuce, man. We're so detailed. And then it comes to us with, oh, no, we didn't, right? And so, but then with our prayers, we're so vague. So pray the details, and don't, don't be satisfied getting the wrong color. Like, no, he's a God of order and details, and you don't settle for anything less than the best with your God. So it says, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door will be open to you. So fasting is knocking and it's knocking hard, right? Until that door opens. The Bible says, pray without ceasing. Sister Joyce, a prayer warrior of our church, I was like, how can I pray without ceasing? Like, how do you just pray all day long? I have to work. I have to. She said, you pray breath prayers. All day long, you have a prayer on your breath. Walk into your car. God, keep this car surrounded by your angels. While you're cooking, you're praying for your family. While you're going in your house, you're praying. While you're brushing your teeth, while you're... If you're just... I'm walking to the copy machine room. I'm praying. What, I'm laying hands, praying over the copy machine sometimes. And so you're just praying all day long. It's hard to curse someone out. It's hard to have a bad attitude. It's easy to tap into the spirit and start praying in tongues or interceding because you've, you're in constant communion and you're listening and speaking to him. So don't stop praying. Keep those prayers coming. And prayers are meant to be answered. And the second we start questioning the power of prayer, we lose its power. You got to have faith. 
You gotta have expectancy. You gotta be looking for that tracking order. You gotta be waiting ready for it, expecting it to happen. And over the years, I was telling um, Cindy, I have, I pray crazy big prayers. I'm not scared. People are like, I don't wanna bother God. I'm like, well, I will. You cannot bother him. I'm not bothering for you. I'll take your blessing and mine. I'm, I'm like, if you're not gonna pray that, I'll pray it. And I have prayed, I have prayed. What I did, I started reading books by Nona Freeman, and she, she had houses given to her, vehicles given to her. She had food show up at her house, and I'm like, hold up. I'm like, we broke as a joke. Like, we were just starting out. We had so many medical things. I would be here all day if I told you all the stories, the things that we've experienced. I'm like, God, you did this for Nona Freeman. You could do it for me. God, I'm asking you to give us a house. I'm asking you to give us a house. I prayed and prayed. I'm asking, we need a new vehicle. I'm asking, God, we need food. We need food. God, my children need clothes. I have four kids. They are growing faster than I can, like, even the Walmart Graminals, whatever, little $3 t-shirt brands, like, we can't even keep up. I'm like, Jesus, when I tell you, there has been, in the last 15 years, bags of clothes at our back door that I don't even know who they're from. And they are the exact sizes of my children. Easter one year, I had a bag hanging on our front door from Dillard's, a dress for me from Dillard's, a suit for him, suit for my son, and dresses for all my children from Dillard's with the tag still on. I'm talking boxes of food at our front door. I'm talking people literally knocking on our door. The Lord told us to cook this for you all. I told her leaving the other day, a lady came up to me at church. She said, my husband is a redfish fisherman and he fishes all the time and we just feel every week to bring y'all fish. I'm like, okay. His nephew shoots deer all the time and just brings us ice chests of deer meat. Literally, ice chests of deer meat. I cannot tell you. And cars, two cars have been given to us. We went to Africa. Before we left for Africa, God said, I'm going to give you a vehicle. We were taking two cars everywhere because we had two foster kids plus my three kids at the time. And a family from the Baptist church contacted us the day we got back and said, we have a fully loaded Yukon XL DVD player, Bose. I mean, our kids thought we had hit the lottery and we don't even play the lottery in the car. Like, yeah, the earphones. I mean, like we never had nothing nice like this. And God just blessing after blessing. And two years ago, God gave us a home, gave us a home. We were tricked into thinking we went to the lawyer's office to be an executor on a will. And it was to sign off. Someone gave us a home. And that's the prayers I pray. And I'm expecting. I'm like, if you did it for Nona Freeman, you could do it for me. If you can do it, we've had, he was almost died another time in the hospital. He just likes to have these near-death experiences. And he says he's the cat with nine lines and he's lost two. And so he has seven more. I'm like, stop it. Don't speak that. But we had a $10,000 deductible and someone came to us with a check for $10,000. But I pray. I'm like, God. I'm believing. We need it. I'm, you own a cattle on a thousand hill. You said I've never seen the righteous forsaken or a seed begging for bread. And we are righteous. We live for you. And I'm expecting you to take care of us, however, whatever it looks like. Right? And so we got to have that kind of faith and expectancy in prayer. And we have not because we ask not. And so my son was diagnosed with autism, ADHD, ODD, OCD. He has an alphabet behind his name. 
And a woman looked at me in one of the support groups. She said, you, the problem is you just need to accept this is how your son was born. This is how he was made. I, I said, oh, friend, you're talking to the wrong woman. I said, you can accept that for your son if you want to live with him. But my God raises people from the dead. My God opens blind eyes. I have seen it. It's too late. I've experienced it. And he can touch my son's mind in one second and heal him and make him completely fine. And he went from never meeting a milestone, never speaking till he was almost three and a half years old, could not drink from a bottle, nothing. He plays on a travel soccer team. He is so bright, like he taught himself guitar. He is, he's incredible. Now he will drive you nuts and you wanna kill him, but in the same breath, he came to us the other day and said, I need a meeting with you and Papa. And we like, okay. And so we had to sit down. <laughs> He's very, like, whatever. He does concerts, and we all cannot look at our phones or our watches. We have to look, watch him play his guitar. And, you know, apostolic songs are, like, 20 minutes long apiece, and he wants to do a concert of four, and you have to watch him. And so, but he told us, he said, um, I need to get baptized in Jesus' name. He's 11. He said, because God keeps pricking my heart like there's a prick, and it keeps happening, and he starts kind of getting emotional and said, I know this is what I need to do next. I need to be baptized in Jesus' name. Now, this is a child that could not speak, could not lift the right side of his body. His right side just hung. He literally laid like a pancake on the floor. They told us he had cystic fibrosis. They told us they thought he had MS. I mean, we have had surgery after surgery. And he's sitting to us telling us, now, what if I would have listened to that woman and just accepted that my child just was going to be like that? No. I expect my God is a healer, and he's going to touch my son and heal him, and I'm not settling for anything else. And so he looked at me one day. He said, Mom, you know, some things, he was like five, he said, some things are a miracle and happen fast, and some things just take a long time in their healings, and mine is just going to be a healing. Like, he told me that. I'm like, okay, all right, well, you just keep prophesying to Mom because I, I need some encouragement sometime. So... God says in James 4 and 2 to ask for detailed prayers and not to ask anything evilly with selfish motives, like obviously like a four-year-old asking for the moon. You know, we don't ask unrealistic things as far as selfish, crazy stuff. But he says ask for detailed believe. And of course, we can't ask for things when we have sin in our hearts, we got to deal with the sin issue because there's a barrier. Um, Proverbs 28 and 13 says that he that coveth his sins shall not prosper, but whoever con confesses and forsaking them shall have mercy. So we got to repent first before we ask, but we got to believe. We have, without faith, prayer is, it doesn't work. We got to pray and believe these things. Um, if you turn to, Matthew 11, I'm sorry, Mark 11. I love this so much. I think I sent it to her last night during the hurricane. I said hurricane, the tornado. <laughs> See, we have this stuff every like year, multiple times a year, so this ain't nothing for us. Like just a little tornado, it's all good. Like this is like the Wizard of Oz, this is awesome. Okay, so Mark 11, 22 through 24. 
if y'all want to go here, this is so good. So the entire invisible spirit world is listening when we direct words towards it. And we have to assert authority. You got to open your mouth. You got to do it vocally. And you got you to gotta command things. And you got to do it with expectation that it will be carried out. So Mark 11, 22, it says, And Jesus answered, saith unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say to you, that whoever shall say, not mumble, not keep your mouth shut, whoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart. And I think a lot of times we pray with some doubt do you do this? Or I'm asked, God, I believe, help unbelief. But you cannot have any doubt in your heart. But you shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatever he saith. He says, you can have whatever you speak. Therefore, I say to you, what things soever you desire, when ye pray, Believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Some of y'all need to read that every day and just write it on your mirror. I'm praying, I'm believing I'm going to receive them and I will have them. If it is the will of God, I will have them. But first I got to pray, first I got to, then I got to believe and I got to expect this thing to happen. And I'm not settling for anything else. And I, I, that's so powerful, right? And so we got to believe. We have to believe. One thing oh, that I'll end with this, because I know y'all had a late night and y'all probably struggling to stay alive, but we're going to make it. The Lord's power. He has power. In Mark 9, if you turn to Mark 9, this is, this really, this is so powerful. If you read Mark 9, 17 through 29, Sorry, I love the word of God so much. It's just so good, and it, it changes you. It washes your mind. So this guy has a child that it says it has a dumb spirit, and he, he tears himself. He foams at the mouth with his teeth, and he pulls away. He, and the dad says, I spoke to the disciples, and they could not cast him out. They could not do anything. And Jesus fusses him. He says, you faithless generation. How long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer with you? Bring him to me. And they brought him unto him. And when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him and fell on the ground, wallowing and foaming. And he asked his father, how long is it ago since this came unto him? And he said, of a child. And oftentimes it has cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. Now listen to what the dad says. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us and help us. He doesn't even believe God could really help him. He says, if you can help us. And I think that's how we go to God in our mind. Like, if you could do something, God. The, the question is not if he can do something. It's do you believe he can do it? 
That's the attitude we got to come to God. God, I know this is not too hard for you. Nothing's too hard for you. God, I believe. So he's like, Jesus kind of offended. And he says in verse 23, if thou believe, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believe. The father doubted the power of Jesus and his ability to help them. So it wasn't a question of if thou can. The question is, do you believe? And so he says, straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. So he like repents and he's real. He's like, wow, I, okay, God, I believe, but there's some unbelief in my heart. And God cannot operate with unbelief. We gotta believe, he can do anything. And so when Jesus saw that the people came running together, he rebuked, so he opened his mouth, he rebuked the foul spirit, and we got to rebuke the spirits in our home, in our children, over, I'm telling you, our little foster boy, he went visit his dad, he came back, he had a demonic spirit on him. His eyes rolled to the left and back, and he said in a weird voice, he said, I'm not crazy to me, and his face morphed. I'm like, oh, not in this house. Not today, Satan. So I told my husband, I told my kids, we got the oil, we brought him in our living room. All of my children were filled with the Holy Ghost at that point, except my youngest, she was eight. Me and my husband, so we all anointed Isaiah with, with oil. We start praying. My oldest starts warring in the spirit. My little boy drops to his knees. He starts praying and interceding. My 13-year-old starts going to town praying. Shay's praying in the spirit. I'm praying in the spirit. And it comes off of him. And I look to my left, and my eight-year-old's chin starts shaking. She starts tears coming down. God fills her with the Holy Ghost as we're praying for this demon to come off this child. And my, my son says, Mom, look how what the enemy meant for evil, God turned and used for the good. Had that spirit not come in our home, Nona would not have been filled with the Holy Ghost. We got to have that kind of faith. There was no music. We were in pajamas in our living room. Praying for this demon to come off this child. But it says, God rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, thou dumb and deaf spirit, charge thee, come out of him and enter in him no more. We got to have that kind of boldness on our children. My oldest daughter, there was a spirit on her this past year. She, she has so many prophecies, so many callings. The anointing is on her, but the enemy has been going at her. And we went in her room, her, her dad was talking to her, and God showed me two spirits that had a hold of her. And I looked at those spirits, and I wasn't speaking to my daughter, I was speaking to those spirits. And I called them by name, and I said, you come out of her in the name of Jesus. And I'm not joking, her body did this, her whole body went gray, her eyes went back, and she collapsed onto the bed. And he got the oil. He started praying over her. I laid across her. We started warring in the spirit. And I look up in tears. Or I said, these two spirits have a hold of you. But you have to repent. You have to rebuke them. And so we walked her through repentance. And this is at 10 at night. And I mean, we were warring in the spirit. And it has been prophesied she would do greater things than I ever did. 
So the enemy does not want her to do this. And it has been true spiritual warfare. And she began to repent and weep and cry. And then all of a sudden, we had her repeat after us how to rebuke this spirit and bind it and loose it and all these things. And she started. And after she kind of like came to with tears in her eyes, the blood came back into her body and she just wept. I said, and I'm not asking you how you feel because this thing is not about feelings. We're obedient to the word. We've bound this spirit and we've loosed the spirit of God on your life and you are going to do what God has called you to do. And since that day, she has been in the word of God, morning, nighttime. She has been praying every day. She's sending scriptures to her friends. She's listening to sermons, coming in our room, re-preaching us to us with notes. I mean, she has been completely loosed and free. But we got to get this boldness. He said, I've given you power and authority to cast out demons. So we can't be scared of this. Everywhere through the Bible, he came to deliver and to heal. Deliver and heal. We can't be nervous or scared. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in this person. And it's got to come out. It's got to start in our homes. Right? So he rebukes the spirit. I hope I'm not boring y'all. I'm trying to hurry and finish. And then he says, um, they're frustrated. The, the disciples are frustrated in verse 29. And he said to them, this kind come forth by nothing but prayer and fasting. Don't think you can go mess with a spirit and you haven't prayed and fasted. It will eat your lunch, right? So we got to be bold. It's not does God have the power. It's do you believe? Anything is possible to those who believe. And then Lord, the Lord is willing. And in Mark chapter 1, 40 and 41, there's a leper. And he says, you know, he asked God, if thou can make me clean. Yeah. Mark 1, 40 through 41. He says, can you make me clean? And Jesus is like, uh, it's not, can I make you clean? I will, I will make you clean. I will, I will. God can, and he's willing. And then the Lord acts. You gotta, you gotta have faith that it is done. When you've asked for it, it's done. In Mark 11 through 20, 22 through 24 is what we read. It, it's done. So the last thing I'll leave you with is this. Prayer comes in, two, in, in three stages. The first stage is we pray until we receive a promise. We pray until we receive God's word about the matter. So I'm praying, I'm praying. Let's say I'm praying for my dad, I'm praying for my dad. This lady calls me, she said, God, show me. He's going to finish the work he started in your dad. He gives the Holy Ghost to those who obey. Well, now I have a promise. I'm not going to keep asking God, God, fill my dad with the Holy Ghost, fill my God. No, I got a promise. I've been praying for 18 years. Now I have a promise. Now I'm going to thank him because the promise is on its way. I'm not, if I ask Shay for a, a, a watch for Christmas and I find a receipt for a lady's watch from Dillard's on the counter, I know he's bought the watch. I'm not going to every day shake, buy me a watch for Christmas. Buy me a watch for Christmas. No, I have a promise. I saw the receipt. It's done. I don't have it in hand, but it's on its way. So from now till Christmas, I'm thanking him. Ooh, I'm going to have a nice pretty watch on my wrist for Christmas. I thank you for this watch, right? So we got to, once we pray and tell God what we need, 
We got to get a promise in the word. Once we get that promise, now we start thanking him until the promise has come to pass. Does that make sense? So we got to pray until we get a promise. And once we get a promise, our job is to start praising him until we receive that promise. Start thanking him. That's what faith is. All things that you pray and ask, you believe that you will receive them and you will have them. So we got to, one thing I suggest is making a journal. And I have my prayer request down with the date I start asking them. And then next to it, once I get a promise, I write the promise down. And now my job is to thank him. And the next column is the date God does it for me. So I can go back and gain my strength from what God has done. Okay, you did on January 5th, you told me this, and on February 18th, you did it. And I keep going back and that builds your faith, seeing what God has done. So I suggest a prayer journal with three columns with what you're asking in detail, big cabin, two sides, more than one bathroom, right? And then the date, the column for when he gives you a promise and what that promise is, how he gave it to you, whether in a word or a prophecy or sermon, and then a column for when he brings it to pass and the date it happens. And how awesome to give your children and grandchildren. This is the God we serve. Look what God has done in my life, right? So I just want to encourage you. You got to come believing, expecting, and if you pray for it, and it is the will of God, it is on its way. In Jesus' name. Amazing, isn't it? Such good teaching. Um, she actually preached a sermon called Bless Me Indeed. Would that be on House of Prayer? Or is that on there? Okay. Okay. So she actually created a card that has a QR code, a card that has a QR code on it so you can scan it and it has her sermons. So one QR code I believe is prayer and fasting, is that right? On one side and then the other side is like her own personal channel. But when she was talking about um, praying for the house and praying for the car and praying for these things, there's a message that she preached called Bless Me Indeed. And you need to go and you need to go listen to this sermon because we have been praying, bless me not, but not bless me indeed. It's that, just bless me more. So check that out. Um, amazing. Thank you, Sister Mandy. Um, I wasn't going to really share my story of my prayer journey, I guess, but I kind of feel led to for anybody that's kind of in a similar situation as me where I've been raised in this my whole life. Like this is all that I've ever known. I've been in a church. I know the spirit. I know all these things, but just never really felt like I knew how to pray. Um, never really felt like I was taught. Like my mom was as, and is a prayer warrior, but I just didn't, I didn't know how to pray. And so I felt like the Lord was calling me to this place of intercession, this place that I didn't know how to go to. And so I was like, I hear you. I'll get there. We'll get there. I'll get there sometime. Um, but, and then again, I'm feeling the Lord say, hey, I'm calling you to this place of intercession because you're not ready for what's to come. 
And sure enough, he was telling me, you are not ready. You do not have the weapons that you need for the warfare that's to come. And so um, sure enough, I started experiencing spiritual attacks that I, I assume I had experienced these before. I just didn't know how to identify them or say what they were. And I was fighting these, these spiritual attacks in my life. And again, I'm like, I, I hear you, God. Well, sure enough, he's like, clearly I'm not getting your attention, so I'm going to send a prophet to your husband to tell him about your prayer life. <laughs> and sure enough, we've had a few words from a few different prophets, and sure enough, this guy calls my, my husband, and he's like, hey, the Lord has given me a vision of your wife, and she is praying in your living room, and her prayer life is not going to work. It is not going to do. So finally, I was like, I hear you. All right. Um, thanks for putting me on blast. Now this prophet and my husband all know that. So I said, all right, Lord, you're calling me to this place of intercession and this place of prayer. You have to teach me. I don't know what to do. And he did. And I'm telling you, in the back of your book is the prayer, the tabernacle plan, which radically changed my life. And we were saying we could nerd out on the tabernacle. Just it's, oh, it's so good. It's just amazing. So um, is there teaching on the tabernacle on your card? Okay, check it out. I'm telling you, it is just, it's so beautiful. But I say that to encourage anybody that has been in church, you know, that has been in church your whole life, and you're like, I don't even know where to begin. I don't even know how to pray. This is my encouragement to you. Today is the day. Don't, don't wait another day. The Lord, if you pray and you say, show me and teach me how to pray, the Lord will give you exactly what you need. Um, one thing when she was talking about if you need to write out like scripture or your prayers. When I first started, I got a binder and I would have start entering into the gates with praise and I would type out all these scriptures about, about praise and just going into his presence with worship. And I was praying the word. So I didn't, I didn't know how to pray, but I'm like, I'm just going to start praying the word. And then I would move on to repentance. And I typed out all these scriptures on repentance and I'm praying the word. And soon enough, it just begins to take root in your spirit. So that's a good idea. If you feel like, you know, you're like, I don't even know what to say. Start typing out some scriptures and pray the word. So, um, oh, another thing I was going to say, if anybody has questions, but you feel a little intimidated to ask them, you can text my phone and we can read them anonymously. Um, if anybody doesn't have my number, I'll give it to you. So prayer, fasting, any, the word, anything, right? Very cool. Anybody have questions? Anything at all? I, yeah. So intercession, I'm still trying to like kind of understand it. Right. Like something that God puts, like he'll send you like something, like pray for this. Is something that God will send? I would say sometimes you don't even know what this, what you're interceding for. It's an intense feeling of prayer. And sometimes you don't even know. Like the Bible talks about groaning. Actually, this prophet said, your wife has to enter into groaning. And when you look at groaning, that's intercession. So sometimes we don't even know. Do you want to speak on it? Like, uh, a little, I have this. Um, what she said, where the spirit will come over you with, um, many times for me, it's like groaning, intense level of prayer. Sometimes I know who it's for. Sometimes I don't. He just needs a vessel to use. So it's like, um, I was with some friends. I had just gotten in church, never heard of intercessory prayer, and they were telling me about it. And I'm like, wow, that sounds intense. So I went to my, my seat, and I was like, we were on a bus, and I was like, God, 
I don't understand all that they're telling me about intercessory prayer, but I'm telling you I'm willing to do it if you need a vessel. And that night at the church service, it came over me and I gave myself to it. And I was a long time like on my face on the ground. I mean, soaking wet, just like, it's like birthing something. All I can explain in the spirit, um, like you're birthing a baby and you'll feel the final release when it's, and, and sometimes like you're depleted. Sometimes it's not so intense, but it's so powerful. I have here, um, it's just some notes on intercession. Uh, some scriptures, Job 16 and 21, it says, Oh, that one might plead for a man with God as a man pleadeth for his neighbor. Job 16, 21. A great responsibility is involved in the ministry of intercession because the Lord God did not find anyone to stand in the gap to intercede for the land. He was... Required required to pour out the judgment due to its disobedience, and that's in Ezekiel um, twenty-two, thirty, and thirty-one. He was looking for someone to stand in the gap to intercede for the land, and he couldn't find it, so he had to pour out his judgment. Um, yeah, Ezekiel twenty-two, thirty through thirty-one. And then in Genesis 18, 23 through 32, Genesis 18, 23 through 32, it's when um, Sodom and Gomorrah, because of Abraham's persistence, he was um, able to find 10 righteous men in the city. God was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And Abraham began to intercede and plead with God to please spare Sodom and Gomorrah, his family, Lot and his wife and family was in there. Um, Moses interceded for the people of God, pleading when the Lord wanted to destroy the people for building the golden calf. He interceded and pleaded with God, please spare them. Remember, God, these are your people. If you destroy them, what are the Egyptians going to say? You took us out here only to kill us. Um, Moses interceded for the people, and, and God changed his mind and did not destroy them. Um, the Bible talks about prayer was made without ceasing of the church unto God, and Peter's chains fell off of him in prison. So in the book of Acts, it's chapter 12, um, the Peter's locked up, and so they have this prayer meeting, this all-night prayer meeting, and the church was praying and interceding, and, and the chains broke off of Peter and an angel got him out of the situation. So many times you'll read books on intercession where people went into intercession prayer only to find out um, their child was about to do drugs and an angel came and did something or a wreck was about to happen. My husband, the first time he almost died, um, uh, I had woken, I woke up to nurse um, my oldest. She was three weeks old or two weeks old. Our anniversary was the next day. I woke up to feed her. A spirit of intercession came over me for Shay, and it was strong. And I didn't want to wake up the baby. I didn't want to wake up him. So I just put my hand on him. So I'm like nursing her with the hand. Like as a mom, you're like using your foot. I'm like, why didn't God make moms like octopus arms like just for a season? And like, we just need more hands. So 
I'm praying, but the, it, it got strong and stronger. So I put her down and I turned and the groanings and the prayer and God kept him asleep. And I just began to like intercede for him, intercede for him. And then it lifted. Well, the next day I got a phone call. They said, there's been a horrible accident. Your husband was in a carbon monoxide accident on a boat and, um, for his job. So I went to the, um, hospital and he had levels, carbon monoxide levels of what, 23, three hours after the event. Now, someone who smokes three packs a day is like an 11. He had 23 level, three hours after the event. And he had fallen and he was black and blue, his head was cut open. Um, but another man was on the boat with him who smoked, which actually saved my husband's life. God works all things for the good. Because at least when he would go smoke, he was getting ox some oxygen, but the in the cabin of the boat, my husband was strictly getting pure carbon monoxide and it's odorless. So um, when the man came back in, they both were feeling bad. He saw shade drop down and his head fell between two pipes. He couldn't get him out. So they went to the dock, got him out. And the doctor said, we do not understand. This man should have complete brain damage or be dead. We do not understand. And God brought me back to the night before. What if I would not have given myself to that intercession? What if I would have ignored it or said, I'm too tired? Like, I would be a widow right now. Like, there's no way. So it's, it's just a calling, a spirit to prayer that's strong, that you can't ignore it, and the, the groanings and the, the warring and the spirit that you experience. Um, God told Jeremiah to search the city and see if he could find even one righteous man that then he would spare the entire city. But Jeremiah knew that their hearts were all hardened against God, the Lord and they were reprobate beyond the place of repentance. And God told him, therefore, to not even intercede for them. And so he seeks, the Bible says, God seeks for intercessors. The Lord looked down from heaven in the book of Psalms upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand, that did seek God. Um, Ezekiel says, and I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the Lord that I should not destroy it, but I found none. The ministry of intercession is a divine appointment. Um, that the Lord sets on someone. It is the responsibility of each individual to take the initiative to stir himself up and take hold of what God wants to do. The scripture says that God was amazed and wondered that there was no intercessor. That's in Isaiah 59 and 16. Isaiah 59 and 16, that there was no intercessor. So he's constantly looking um, Lamentations, he says, my eye runneth down with rivers of water for the destruction of the daughter of the people. My eye trickleth down and ceaseth not without any intercession till the Lord looked down and beheld from heaven. Um, Job says, oh, that one might plead for a man with God as a man pleadeth for his neighbor. Um, intercessors are watchmen and they're persistent in their prayer and they never um, hold, the Bible says, they never hold their peace day or night and, and give him no rest. Um, they are crying out unto the Lord. 
a wall of the daughter of Zion and they're, um, they're travailing forth. They're standing in their gap. Um, they're referred to as watchmen on the wall. You're watching in the spirit. You're feeling in the spirit. The Lord told me this years ago, I was walking in our church praying, praying for our pastor and our church. And God said, I've called you to be a watchman on the wall. So watchmen on the walls back in the day, the cities, they had big walls and there were people that walked the walls watching for the enemy to come. That's what an intercessor is. And they pick up and they see in the spirit and they know what to pray in war for. So I just say, you don't have to understand it. You just got to be willing and let the spirit take over and give yourself to it. And you'll be amazed. You can save a life. You can stop someone from doing drugs. You can get them out of a prison cell. I mean, but you got to pray with that kind of belief and expectancy. So it, I, I suggest um, Pentecostal Publishing House has awesome books on intercessory prayer. You know, just educate, you know, study it. I, I preach on it a lot. But it is in-depth. It is, it's kind of like, kind of like the Holy Ghost. Like, I can tell you about it, but you got to experience it. And then you're like, well, this is real. This is real. Like, it's too late. I know intercessory prayer saved my husband's life. There's no doubt in my mind. Any other questions about prayer? Yeah? So for those of us with children who were raising them in the church, yeah. um, how would you advise on making sure that we continue their prayer life to where it's mature so they believe like whatever they're praying that can happen, God can and will do things, but that sometimes God says no. Or yeah. sometimes healing is not part of God's will. Yeah. Or that death sometimes is part of God's will. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that main scripture of, but God, your will be done is so important because if we just teach them, you pray and you get it, then when they don't get it, they're going to be like a two-year-old toddler throwing a tantrum, you know, and then they'll be mad at us. So we're praying he needs our faith. The only way he can operate is through our faith. We got to have faith. We got to believe. But we also know his ways are perfect and they're higher than ours. His ways are not our ways. And like at the end of the day, the perfect will of God, we want the perfect will of God for our, so we might not always understand, but we, we do see. And so when things happen, we tell them like, look how you prayed and look what God's done. So my, my little girl, we went to this boutique and they had these expensive fuzzy slippers and we were not there for the expensive fluffy sis. We needed something for something she was doing and we got that and she wanted them. I said, friend, you got to pray. Pray and ask God for that. Not joking. A week later, she got a bag of clothes from someone in our church, dropped it off at the door. I don't know because we have four kids. People are like, poor things. Let's just, I don't know. I don't, but I do pray. I'm like, God, just give us what we need. And so in the bottom of the bag, her size was a pair of pink fluffy slippers. And it was like from early, I was like, look, you, did you pray? And she's like, I did pray. And I'm like, and God heard you. And so he's trying to show you, I'm in the details. I see you. I know you. Right. And so we come together as a family and pray. And then we each pray over them each night. And now we started having them pray over us at night too. Um, and just to get them practicing on praying. But we tell them like, people are going to die, right? Like we have, like Lazarus was raised from the dead, but then he died at some point. Like you can't live forever. Um, and so, but we're real and honest with them too. Like 
there is the sowing and reaping. Like the prayer warrior of our church, Sister Joyce, she has had stage four cancer like three times and she, God has healed her. She got a lung removed, a new lung started growing, right? But she is in the hospital all the time. She can barely breathe. She has oxygen, like she's suffering. But she also was a drug addict and a prostitute prior to coming to Jesus and shot up in her arm whatever could be melted in a spoon. So like we wanna see as, a, as the prayer warrior not to experience these things and my husband's like, but there's still the law of the harvest. She's, her body is still reaping from the decisions she made. So I think like being very real with them and showing them people in the church like, look, this person, like I tell them, there's a girl, like she never knows where her husband's at. He's at different hotels with different women. And I tell them, I'm like, you know, Sister Brittany, she married someone not in church. You know, tonight, she doesn't know where her husband is. You know, mom has to counsel her once a week because she, her husband's with dif different women. So when you marry, don't come to me crying that you don't know where your husband is at night. If you choose to marry a man of God, uh, a guy that's not a man of God, like, you, you know, but then even if you marry a man of God, you still got to pray over him every night. He has flesh. You got to still, you know, so we're very real and honest and pray. But then we also, when things happen, like, okay, like your grandmother's going to die. At some point she's going to die because she's old, right? Or, you know, this person's son died. We had a friend, their son died 13 years old. And we're like, we don't understand that. But we know that he's with Jesus and he beat us to the one place we're all trying to go. So really, we're kind of jealous that he beat us there, you know. And yes, we're sad, but we got to remember this place is not our home and he just passed us up. And so I think just having real raw conversations with them and as experiences happen in your home, using those experiences to show them and teach them. And you have anything, babe? No. He does, and he's going to tell me in the corner. It's going to be amazing, and it's going to be like a mic drop, and I could tweet it. I don't have a tweet account. Definitely being odd with my One thing that we do, um, especially with our teenagers, we just stay up at night with them and their friends and we just let them ask us questions. And like, we don't hold back. Like they know everything about my past, everything. Cause I don't want them to make those same mistakes. And then they're like, Papa, we're so proud of you. You never did drugs and you love Jesus your whole life. And mom, that's just a shame. I'm like. <laughs> Well, I did not have a Bible or a praying mom, like, and they're like, it's still, like, why would you do that? They just, you know, so I'm, I'm very real and honest, especially my 16-year-old with guys. I'm like, look, like, I'm so brutally honest, and I show her in the word. And when we say no, this is one thing. Um, I think we're past the generation that when someone says no or to do something, they just follow it and do it. 
We're in a generation, they want to know why. And if you're not gonna tell them, they're gonna Google, and who knows what's gonna come up. So when we tell my, our kids no, we get in the word of God and show them, right? Like we're, this is why, it's not our role. This is the word of God, and this is what is pleasing to him or he doesn't like. So um, we've had situations, so it got to a point, we made a word document the rules of our home in black and white. We like, cause clearly us just saying it is not enough. So we're gonna print out the Holloway rules and look, the Holloway rules, this is, and we put the address, 103 Rose Down Street. Because the other Holloway family members may allow things that we don't or let things that we don't, right? We're talking about 103 Rose Down Street. And now you can hang it in your room and refer to it whenever you're confused in life. You just refer to it. Now, when you're out on your own, and I'm talking, we're only paying for a birthday and Christmas gift. Like, we're not paying your cell phone. We're not paying nothing. Then you can take this and throw this in the trash or do what you want with it. But until that day, this is, this is the rules of, as for me and my house. We're going to serve the Lord. And by each thing, it has a scripture by it. So it's not our rules. This is the word of God. And then we talk about them, especially with our older ones. But there's something so powerful. So we were like, you can't date till you're 16 or whatever. Well, that was a disaster. Okay, so, um, but my oldest had a situation. She went to this uh, event and she was at the church event and they had these um, guys in the front just worshiping God. I mean, crying out, interceding, travailing. And she's like in awe. And God spoke this to her. He said, now, no matter what me and my husband tell her, and you could tell your kids till you blew in your face, right? But when they get it from God, and it's so powerful. Like, they're holding on to it. And so God tells her, if you will wait till you're 18 to date, I will give you a man of God like this. So she came to us, and she's crying, and she's like, I feel like God wants me to come in covenant with God and not date till, we, till I'm 18. I'm like, thank you. Jesus, through much prayer and fasting. Some things come through much prayer and fasting. And so that's been my prayer. God, keep her in covenant. Keep her. And like he's like, it doesn't mean at 18 you're going to get married. God's just saying, just stay in covenant with me. Learn from me. Grow. Become the woman of God. This man of God is going to need. If he's called to ministry, he needs a prayer warrior who's going to be on her face groaning and interceding for him and fighting for him because who else is? So I think they, when they begin to start getting this God for them. So you're just living it out. I don't know. I never, I'm first generation. So I'm like probably extra, but I'm like, whatever I do extra, they're going to probably do a little less. And then the next generation is going to do a little less. So I'm going to be extra, extra because they say you really don't know if you did a good job until you can, you see your grandchildren, how they're living for God, which is scary, you know? We extra, extra, but, but we're not extra, extra strict. And you're just going to do this. Cause I told you, let me show you in the word of God. Let me, let me, let's be real and talk. And then one thing he's great at, he ordered these cards, their discussion cards. So after dinner, we really try to eat as a family as much as we can. And he asked questions and some are funny. Like if you could own any animal in the world, what would it be as a pet? You know, whatever. And you find out a lot about your kids that way. But then some are like, what's something God has done for you that you knew it was God? Or it's just intimate questions and gets them talking. And, and then we're able to kind of minister or use that or things are exposed through even silly questions where you can then pull them aside. And we just, 
you have to be super intentional and each of their love languages is so different. You got to love them in their way. You know, um, we go tent camping a lot just with no internet, no nothing, just to get away and just be us. And we put on worship music around the fire and we just worship as a family and we'll pray over each child. And then we let them ask questions and we talk and it's a lot of work. But um, we try not to be on our phones. We try to just really be intentional with them. And um, we take a Sabbath rest day every Friday. Uh, we have off because Sundays we work. I mean, we're at church, two services. I teach, I preach. Um, he works all the cameras and stuff. So on Fridays, we do nothing. It is our Sabbath rest day. And we go on a date, gets me crawfish. Nothing like a Cajun girl love language with him. If your husband comes home with crawfish, you know he loves you. Um, the kids come in the house like, did y'all have crawfish without us? We're like, yes, we did. So, but uh, we relax. We, we spend time just reading the word, praying. We're resting. We do nothing. I don't do laundry, clothes, cook, nothing. We're just resting in God. And so we need that um, for us and and then it's we have the the strength for our children in ministry. I know we just answered a lot of stuff in one, but I hope that helps a little. Anything else? Anything? No. Y'all good? Feel free if you want. Even write it on a paper and just come throw it right there. We'll or text him.